All right, we're on the vet. I got Dustin and I got Melissa back. How are Yay. we? Good. Good. Thanks for Melissa. Got to say, shout out for setting this up. I love this, and I think this will Good. be kind of a fun story too, because I know um, you guys met on recruiting duty, which is interesting in and of itself. But Dustin, you have an infantry background, and you've never been on the show, so let's um introduce yourself, man, and just tell you know, just kind of describe like your career, kind of you know how you went up in the core or whatever, and then sort of your worldview, man, like kind of the lens you view shit through. Gotcha. And I'll, I'll start with the uh, recruiting duty did, did a good thing about teaching me how to talk a lot about myself. So it cut me off. I'm going too long. Don't worry. Uh, but I, I'm originally from Washington state, um, born and raised 2008, uh, joined the Marine Corps. There was no, there's no question about it. I, I knew from early on military and it was going to the, going to be the Marine Corps. Um, I wanted to be a grunt, which is exactly what my recruiter hooked me up with. And 2008, straight after high school, went to boot camp. Um, my first term went by. I did a one pump to Afghanistan in 2010. Medevaced from Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, well, you got to tell that real quick, if you don't mind. Like, Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind. It's not a very fun story on the whole thing. It's just a uh, Basically, we had a, a patrol base we were in. Um, my, my Afghanistan deployment was kind of a two-parter. First three months, was, uh, um, we were kind of messing around and patrolling an area that had really be, already been secured and pacified. Yeah. And the second half, we went down into a Safar Bazaar, and we cleared that area for the first time. But the incident happened in the first, first part. We were just doing patrols, and we had a class by a Marine who was an assault man. Um, we, he gave us a class on the law rocket launcher. Yeah. And, uh, during the class ended up taking the safeties off the rocket launcher and, you know, uh, somebody asked him, Hey, how do you fire this thing? And he goes, Oh, like this. And he hit the button and there's, you know, Marines in the back blast area. I was one of the ones in the back blast. I was, I was out. I don't, I ended up about a hundred yards away. I don't remember how I got there. Um, there are the Marines on the, on the missile end. You know, they got chopped up pretty good. There was an Afghani soldier. He got a, I think he was either triple or quadruple amputee from it. I mean, just, it sucked, right? A negligent discharge of a rocket. Um, oh, fuck, dude. Yeah, so there were some guys that were immediately medevaced. Um, I got medevaced a little bit later on because I didn't, I didn't know that I was, you know, quote, unquote, injured. But both my eardrums were gone. And I was yelling at people, apparently. I, I don't remember. And I had, like, you know, that buzz, you know, in the movies, like explosions, and you get that, like, that buzzing or beeping sound. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I had. And I didn't know. So I got medevaced, ended up having surgery on one of my ears. I still got a hole in that same ear. And yeah, so good times. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. So safeties, safety, safety. area all secure has always just been a fucking running joke with Marines. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is, that is a joke in my house. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's never been a, it's, I, man, that's fucking wild, dude. That's pretty. Yeah, Backblast area was not clear. Did that end your deployment or did you wind up getting back? Uh, they, so one of the guys got sent to Germany. It ended his deployment and he was, he ended up going on the Mew later on. He stuck with it. Yeah. One of the bad, most badass dudes I served with. Love that guy. Um, for me, I was kind of given the option, like, Hey, you want to go home? You know, nothing special. Anybody in my position, I feel like would have done the same thing. I was like, Oh no, send me back out. Yeah. Um, I was going to be put on the bench for that second part of the deployment where we pushed South and got into actual 
combat and shit. Um, but I had a, I had a gunny at the time that, you know, for whatever reason, my platoon sergeant was like, Nope, you're injured. You're damaged goods. You're going to be staying up here. Um, I had a gunny that I was on the advanced party with who to this day, if he showed up, you know, he's a sergeant major now, um, of an engineering battalion. I don't know. I don't remember where exactly, but a uh, good dude. Um, he was like, you know, that's, that's bullshit. I'll use you. He put me in as a driver on one of the up armored, uh, ATV, MATVs and, uh, went down and got, got into some shit. So he took me along. Crazy, man. Wow. That's fucking nuts, dude. Like, yeah, dude, I, I, I've not talked about it a lot, but it's sad to say, but a lot of the, I was in Iraq, um, in 2010 and it was, um, or I'm sorry, 2009. And it was basically like, uh, we were fucking each other up more than we were really seeing, um, what was happening out on, out on the streets and shit, you know, like out on convoys, like, you know, there, there were things happening, but, um, shit that was happening on the fob was fucking outrageous, man. Like we were, you know, all these stupid incidents and shit. So, Oh, that the, yeah. my incident, it was, it was swept under the rug. Shit yeah. never happened. Never got talked about again. Jesus, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Unreal. And then in 2011 did a, the 11th Mew, yeah. um, Westpac deployment, stopped off in you know over like 15 20 different countries didn't really do a whole lot of uh you know didn't see action or anything on the mu just some security and training with a bunch of different countries and militaries and things um at the end of that i was i was a corporal at the end of my second deployment re-enlisted on that mu uh came back and got orders to uh recruiting duty um got lucky enough to go out to i was actually at a pcs which a substation off of my hometown recruiting. So, uh, I heard those are rough. Yeah. Actually, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I actually got to PCS Walla Walla, um, which it's very, it's a college town, very, I don't know, small. I I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily call it a small town, but it's a, a lot of wineries, a lot of, a lot of schools and colleges and things like that. Um, very tight knit community. So that was fun to do a little bit of recruiting there. It was difficult. And then I uh, eventually got retasked and moved up to the main office. Um, and so when I went out on recruiting duty, I think it was Melissa's like second, third week when I arrived or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I think I was there. I think it was pretty fresh. I think it was maybe in my second or third week. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. She hadn't been there very long. So she was learning her job. I showed up this shiny new corporal. Didn't know what I was doing. Um, Ended up doing so, did the recruiting duty, got moved up to the main station eventually. Um, towards the end of that, ended up being a recruit of the year, 2015. So <laughs> nice uh, we had a pretty hot station in Kennewick. We were, uh, we were a powerhouse yes. for the, the entire recruiting station. Yeah, bro, that's actually, I mean, I, I don't want to cut you off, but that's surprising that Washington produces as well as it does. I'm just saying. I, I will tell you this. Just I don't, what I know about the state or being from an outsider right. here about the state. It's, I mean, I know a lot of dudes that came out of that area, man. A lot of my good friends when I, when I was first coming in, when I, when, when I was in MP school and we linked up East and West coasters, you know, lots yeah. out of Washington, man. Very surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a high producing yeah. area, man. It, it is. It's interesting. Just the whole recruiting dynamic in Washington. Cause you know, I feel like for the most part where we were at on the East side of the state, we had, awesome like general support from the public yeah. so it's really cool to 
to recruit in a place where people, you know, we'd have people come in and bring us a, you know, a Keurig and yeah, really, them, you know, the thank yous. The, the yeah, there was that ice cream lady that would come every Friday, you know, and bring us like the cookies and the ice cream bars, you know, and so that's cool though. It, it was just a really supportive area um, that probably helped and aided a little bit, you know, in my success there. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of my recruiting time, you know, Melissa, she, she ended her Marine Corps time and moved on. And uh, I, I mean, I was out of there. Do you remember what month you got out? Like, was yeah, it- July of 2015. I just had my five year anniversary. That's right. Okay. So you were five. So exactly one year later, because yeah. last week was my, Four my year. four year anniversary being out. So, yeah. well, we all got out, right? Basically, Melissa, I got out in technically September of 15, but I, okay, started, yeah. I started all my leaving shit in July. So, yeah. That's crazy. I didn't, I didn't realize we got out around the same time. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. My official date was like September or yeah, like always, October. Always. Yeah. I mean, on recruiting duty, it's not like you're able to really use leaves. So, I mean, that was a crap ton that you sold back. So That's what I've heard, yeah. I heard you stack them a bit. I've, I get a lot of different stories about recruiting, man. And I'm actually glad to have a recruiter, a couple of recruiters on here to talk about it because it's – Oh, we, you know. we could probably talk. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously, because I think it's kind of a jarhead kind of thing to reference drill instructors. I think I don't care who you are. I think it's sort of a it's – an, it's an important aspect of your career. Totally, but, yeah. Um, but I definitely feel like – um the mass population of people have zero idea how hard it is to actually be a recruit, like how, in, how insane it is, you know? Uh, yeah. It, it was an eye opener. Oh, okay. how, you know, you talk about the numbers and the quota and all that stuff and you're like, yeah, I can do this. But when you really look down to it at the end of the day, you know, the Marine Corps for the most part, they, they did me okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't regret my time in service. I don't regret all the stuff that I got to do and see, but at the end of the day, when it comes to recruiting, the Marine Corps gets what it needs. Oh, and sure, yeah. it has to burn through recruiters to do that. Yeah. It'll do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, it's a, I, I know it's a dog-eat-dog-eat dog world, man. And I've had a lot of good Marines, a lot of good friends that go out there, and they've never failed before, and recruiting slaps them right in the mouth. And, oh, yeah. And it's just an adjustment. You know, it's not even that they're bad people or bad Marines. It has, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's just not what you're – I mean, it's just not what Marines do. You know, in a way, a lot of ways, it's just not what Marines do. They have to like relearn so much shit. I mean, even you coming from the infantry, not even fucking close, you know, like I, I could not talk to people, you know, I'm a, I was a grunt. So talking to people like, how do you do that? Well, there's, yeah, other too. there's other elements too. Like we have Melissa on here, but that's the first time you were ever probably ever around what probably at the schoolhouse around a female Marine, right? Like, I mean, I mean, yeah, at the schoolhouse for recruiting duty, you know, I, I met you saw them, right? Um, but I'd say, you know, it was 90%, it seemed like, was all males. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not that's not an easy thing to just get – you just don't wake up one day used to it, you know? I mean, when you're – Oh, uh, you know, Melissa and I, we've talked about that. I, I came out to the recruiting station, and, you know, I talked to Staff Sergeant Whitaker. So when I got on the phone with her for the first time, you know, I was expecting, you know, some male alpha A-type, you know – marine on the phone and it's this chick's voice and i'm like (laughs) right um and when i showed up you know i was like okay yeah i have a female marine in charge of me this is gonna be this is gonna be great um i will tell you i think i've told her this i've told other people this before 
I didn't know Whitaker at all prior to that, but like completely broke the mold for what I thought a female Marine was after working for her for, I mean, I still call her boss all the time. And this is not, I'm not trying to brown nose you, Melissa, but (laughs) like completely broke the mold. She was the shit. It was fun to work with her. There were days I absolutely hated her, hated her, but that's recruiting duty, right? Yeah. Uh, But she called you out on your shit. She kept you in your place. And you know what? Again, not, not to brag, but recruiter of the year, 2015. Yeah, for sure. You know, that because of how she built me as a recruiter, that's how I did that. So no, it was, it was badass to, to meet her and, you know, work under her for that amount of time. When she left, I, I didn't, I didn't want to be recruiting more. You know, it wasn't the main reason I got out of the Marine Corps was sort of leaving. You're, you're not that cool, Melissa. Just <laughs> right. But, um, like, yeah, I, I didn't want to be rec- at that office anymore. That office went to shit after I left. Uh, they, they're still hurting making missions. I got a, a coworker who's a, a reservist and he's done his, his, uh, duty time because of, you know, COVID at the recruiting office. And he said their numbers, he's, he used to be a recruiter in Vegas when he was mm-hmm. active duty, but then he got out and he's reserves now. Um, he said the office here is just in turmoil. Like the amount of phone calls and things they have to make is just mm-hmm. ridiculous. So, and if they're listening, I, I apologize, but <laughs> it's what it is. Man. I, it's cool to hear you say that, though. Like, I, I mean, when I was a little di- Lance Corporal, cr- Lance Criminal running around Oki, I mean, Melissa was my one of my sergeants. I mean, she was in a different section, but she was always around us, like always with us. Like, and it was a section that we didn't always um, spend a lot of time with. And it was really actually it was on them basically in a lot of ways going out of their way um, to come and interact with us. And she definitely always did that. Um, so I know I know it's I love hearing you say that because as an MP, like I grew up with around female marines man and i've been around a lot of badass women you know that are able to do a lot of cool shit and um for me it's just you know it's fun to hear people say that and i had a, I, I told you in the text before we set this up man i had a um i just did an episode with her um one of the first uh females to go through infantry school she didn't she earned the mos but you can't you know at the time they weren't allowing um women to serve i don't know really where they're at with it now um yeah. she graduated everything to male standards man i mean it's pretty impressive. I'm not, I'm not, it is. Yeah. Not, you know, I'm not going to, you know, climb the hill that says every single female can do that. I, I don't know that that's necessarily accurate, but, um, I don't know, man. I think there's a big misconception. I think it's totally cool. And, you know, and cool it's like, you know Melissa and I talked about, you know, it's coming from the grunt field, you know, women being in the grunt field. Cool. If they can hack it. Awesome. But at the same token, I mean, there's, there's guys that can't hack it. Well, that's what I told, you know, that's what I told uh, Jenny when we did the episode. I'm like, look, I mean, there's plenty of dudes that the attrition rate at infantry school, I'm sure is pretty high. People get broke. I mean, people just aren't cut out for it. You know, whatever it is. I mean, there's plenty of people at MP school that were like, you know, whatever. I mean, whatever it is, man. Um, I think it's, um, I just like it when some of that stuff gets exposed, you know what I mean? And like people start to understand what it's, what it's really all about is all, I mean, especially I, I have two daughters, you know, and I, it's nice to be able to look them in the eye every now and again and be like, eh, actually you can do that, you know? Yeah. Didn't let anybody tell you otherwise. So we talked about her um, at the recruiting office. I mean, that, I think I was a big proponent for females doing the pull-ups and females doing this. And if there was an opportunity, like, you know, one of our females, she was like, you know, once combat engineer opened up, you know, she wanted to do that. So we got her assigned to that job. You know, I mean, I probably out of the, the whole recruiting station, you know, probably pushed hard on that because I was one of the only female Marines yeah. in the command, you know, so my station, I, I, push that on them. And I talked to them about it. And we, 
you know, if we there, our recruiting office was right real near, a, um, or like right in front of us was just like a little uh, bus stop. And I remember this girl, you know, probably like 15, 16 years old, you know, she had little short shorts on. And you guys were like, well, if that was my daughter, I'm like, yeah, if that was your daughter, what? What, what are you thinking right now? You know, just to kind of open the aspect of it doesn't matter about clothes. You know, it doesn't matter about someone's ability or what their gender is. Anyone can do what they want if they put themselves to it. You know, like yeah. I, I opened that up for the guys because, you know, as a female, I, I had to do so much just to equal out to all those guys. I knew my, you know, my weakness and I try to always work on it. And I think that as long as you have that give a shit factor. And I think that's what I gave out to my station in all aspects of the giving a shit, you know, and being like the advocate and being the proponent to like beat the drum on things. I think that's, it was like a, I mean, we were tight, you know, we could walk into a place and, you know, we had female missions all the time. You know, we had one of the things that drawbacks about recruiting is always like the, you know, the, the females, you know, having to work with a male recruiter and I, so I was really big on making sure protecting my recruiters, having a third party there, always having, you know, um, if there was a male that would, there would be another male or another Marine or something. Uh, I, I, I kind of took all those like icky gross questions when it comes to female Marines and yeah. distilled it down to like all the levels, even just with applicants. I mean, I kicked an applicant out of our office because she was inappropriate with one of my recruiters. My recruiter showed me the text and I said, nope, we're done working with her. Don't care. That, that was kind of the nice thing about, you know, and maybe kind of our secret little weapon was, you know, having, you know, not just a female recruiter, but having a type A personality female recruiter yeah. that was boss, right? You know, Melissa being able to, we had numerous ones, right? The, I remember the one, the guy came in and he wanted to talk to the boss of the office. Yeah. And the boss is standing right in front of him, but because it was a female, that's not the boss. That can't be the boss. Um, and just, you know, we had a lot of, not to dive too much into the recruiting aspect, but I mean, we, we had a lot of obstacles to overcome and there were times it just, it really sucked. But having, having that female aspect as our boss, but also with, you know, the female missions and all that stuff, it was, it helped us. It was, it was good to have. Yeah, it was like that. It was a, it was like that for me at MP school. It was nice having yeah. um, alpha instructors, females running around because they would just put some of these kids in check. You know, <laughs> like I mean, I could. Uh, she's still in actually. Uh, she's a master now. I won't say her last name, but she was probably the, one of the baddest females I've been around, man. And like um, some of these kids, you know, because they're still kids at that point, would just mm-hmm. get flirty and shit with these instructors, and I don't. She could like smell it. Just, oh yeah. You would just smash them right away. Like <laughs> it was just nice because it's like, yo, we're not here for that. You know what I mean? And like, and yeah. like you said, you, um, you almost get like a mother hen kind of thing going on where you're like, fuck that. You're not, you're not going to mess up any of my guys. You're not, you know, because like, mm-hmm. honestly, like we were in a, in a time where allegations were getting crazy on people, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and, and whether, it, whether, whether they were true or unfounded or any of that shit, I mean, true or unfounded, it was, mm-hmm. it was balls to the wall and, people were losing careers for both true and unfounded. And it's just a, it was a situation, you know? So, well, yeah, in, so if you, in eliminating that ick factor is, uh, is important. Just saying it out loud, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, and I've, I've, you know, now that I've moved on, I'm in a different career, you know, I look back at how big of a problem it was and it, you know, Melissa just mentioned it and it's kind of flowing back to me is, 
you know, always making sure with us male Marines that we had an extra body. You know, if it, if it wasn't Melissa, you know, it'd be another male Marine just in the office when we're interviewing a female. Yeah. That was such a big thing that was talked about, but you hit it on the, on the head as well saying, you know, that's not what we're here for. And when you, when you made that, with, even just with applicants, when you made that clear up front, like, Hey, yep. this, is, this is to join the military. This isn't for finding your next, you know, your next thing. Um, it, it was pretty clear. And it just, yeah. So, like when I was an instructor, I always, one thing we always did, was like, listen, if you're doing the right thing, you know, you're, you, as long as you're doing the right thing, you're all good. Yeah. Um, but even still, like, um, you still had stuff you had to be careful with, you know, it's just, it's the nature of the businessman. It's just how it is. Um, especially at those entry level kind of, um, positions where, um, shit just gets fucking sideways, man. And it's like, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's just a bad thing for a lot of people. So you just, you know, you gotta be careful. I get it. I totally get it. How did it, how did it, um, how did the office environment on recruiting to help you transition into what you're doing now with law enforcement and stuff? I mean, what's, oh. it, what's that world like? So, well, and let me caveat off that with, so I did my recruiting, right? In uh, 2016, decided to get out and, you know, I, we actually had a new sergeant major come in. I don't know if, uh, Melissa, if you were still around when we got the new sergeant major towards the end. I, I've uh, met him at a retirement like last yeah. just a couple months ago. He, uh, he was actually pretty cool because if it wasn't for him, I might've got lost kind of in the, in the, all the moving parts of getting out. Um, but I think because of how successful I was for the recruiting station, maybe I got a little extra love on the side of, you know, them allowing me to use a little bit of my terminal leave to kind of take care of the things I wanted to do. It ended up working out pretty well. I mean, I would, I literally got out of the Marine Corps on a Thursday and on Tuesday I started the police Academy. Nice. So um, it still kind of sucks a little bit because I didn't get any kind of transition time or anything. I went from a one super stressful environment straight into another one. Yeah. Um, but recruiting duty overall, I mean, even just starting at my interview for a police department that I had, you know, I walked in there, the confidence from the Marine Corps. Um, this is kind of a funny story. So my department interviewed 20 applicants. I was number 21 to be interviewed. But number 20 couldn't make it happen or didn't want to get interviewed or whatever. So I was the last phone call of the day to get scheduled. They scheduled me for the following day to be the last interview. I walked in there and came out applicant number one for my department. Nice. All because I firmly believe all because A, the military experience and B, just the confidence of it um, to go in there and be like, yeah, I've been a recruiter. This is what I've done. The public speaking skills especially for law enforcement is huge. Oh, yeah. De-escalating uh, situations and communicating abs- with the public. Absolutely. Yeah. Being able to articulate and explain things. I was mm-hmm. really bad at that. <laughs> yeah. When I was a young uh, man, I was really, really bad at that. Yeah. Uh, I do remember um, hearing, or actually like some, one of our friends retelling a story about that in Okinawa. And I was like, Oh man, I don't remember that. I probably wanted to go home. And so when he was talking about that, I just wanted to go home. <laughs> yeah crazy yeah i was i was really bad at i didn't talk to people i didn't de-escalate shit if anything i probably escalated in a lot of cases like you know i got better at it when for me it was instructor duty but um man i met so many recruiters that can just they're so smooth you know they get so good at it oh it it took a while to get there oh i'm sure oh yeah 
<laughs> obviously everybody everybody hits their stride i mean i would even see even the three or four weeks i was in recruiting school just when they get people up there and, and do speeches you see mm-hmm. a massive change in people um yeah uh yeah and then i got tossed i mean it's you know it is what it is oh i don't know <laughs> what how's the how's law enforcement business these days so, uh, this is booming <laughs> it, i mean just is it so are you seeing an uptick in shit just across the board i mean based on the nature of things or or yeah, so kind of how it is where we're i'm at here you know central washington we're kind of not touched um by what's kind of plaguing the big cities right now yeah um we've had you know a, a couple instances here and there but nothing major nothing large scale for us it's you know, minus COVID and Corona and all those, you know, restrictions and stuff, we're kind of business as normal. Right now for law enforcement, we're in the busy time for our department. Um, summertime, it's hot. People are tired of being cooped up, uh, yeah. getting out and, you know, unfortunately committing crime. Uh, it, and again, it's not like the mass populations committing crime. These are the, you know, the 10% that are having bad days and have to deal with us, unfortunately. Well, remove like all the Floyd shit. Uh, I think we would have saw an uptick anyways, just based on people, like you said, being pent up, man. Mm. I just yeah. think like, just, just like any kind of release um, back into the wild, so to speak, it was going to cause a little bit of havoc. I mean, this is probably one of the longest, like a, in, I think in modern history, right? For us that people have been pent up, let alone like techie, like millennials, you know, savvy people that like are used to being connected and then also being able to go and do what yeah. basically whatever they want. You know, I mean, we just live in a hyper connected world where we really have access to pretty much anything, man. So I think we would have seen an uptick. I mean, I think in other big cities, like the, the, the violent homicides and shit uptick right now is pretty scary, but yeah, the, you know, the bigger cities are seeing a lot of it, you know, for, various reasons it's the floyd stuff the COVID, or mm. you know restrictions and all this stuff um and you know i'm i guess my disclaimer i've actually been in detective so i've been off the street the last seven months or so yeah uh, so i i'm doing you know just major crimes and things like that um but still you know we're getting we're, there's a little bit of an uptake of that I'd say our crime is up a little bit than it was last year, but again, yeah. our city, our city's growing and then we have COVID on top of it all. There's it's so just, many, yeah, 2020 man is kind of a wash. If you ask me just across yeah. the board, I think, I mean, I just don't even know yeah. how to even quantify all this shit. Like it's, it's gotta be like an asterisk year. Dude, there's just so many factors, right? Like yeah. so many factors. I don't even know if anyone can really put it in perspective, like all yeah. shenanigans, you know? Um, dude, we got a, we had a kid, I guess like this is kind of news to me and I monitor this kind of shit because I'm, I work with a guard, but, um, a kid was involved in an armed robbery two years ago, like literally two years ago, I think to this month, they're rioting right now because of it. You know, as an officer involved, oh, shooting, the kid was an armed, he was an armed robbery in a very affluent neighborhood. He was an affluent kid. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to mention the color of his skin. I don't think it really matters, but it's not what people would assume. And it's, um, you know, and they're still there. They just all of a sudden started riding. So, I mean, it's like, it's really, it's interesting. It's sparking like, you know, everywhere. And, and I don't know that it's, it's really a, a neighborhood. I, I think we'll see it outside of just the cities, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it, you know, again, I could be wrong, right? I only, I only see my 
my vision of, you know, my police department, my local state stuff, the things that go on here. Mm-hmm. But overall, I don't, I don't believe that policing needs major national reform and everything needs to be fixed about cops. And we have systemic racism among police. I don't believe that one bit. I think for the most part, police officers are good, hardworking, solid people, yeah. just like, just like our, you know, military and our veterans, good contributing members of society doing good things. What gets highlighted is that 5%, right? Those 5% that shouldn't be a part of the organization to begin with. Well, it's just the negative part, you know? Yeah, as, as Marine's story of our life though, right? I mean, yeah, the, the, absolutely. The, yeah. I get it, man. I don't think there's, we, all, we all get punished for it. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's a cop out there that can look at, I, I mean, we, none of us like to Monday morning quarterback and all that shit. I, I certainly don't because I wasn't there. I just wasn't. I don't know what it's like to be a cop in, in Minneapolis or matter of fact, I don't know what it's like to be a cop outside of the Marine Corps. So, I mean, it's like, how do you really, um, you know, how do you totally judge all that? Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to, I know a few things. I've taught some people stuff. I, I don't pretend to be a crazy authority, but there's not many people that would agree that that situation was handled appropriately. Right. I mean, right. any fast talking, talking about the Floyd. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> oh, I'll tell you in it. I mean, even in, I, I respect my, my chief a lot. Um, and I'll say what he told us as a department, cause it, he also, you know, it was released to the media, but basically said, you know, in this being coming from my police chief saying, Hey, if you agree with what happened, what the individual officers did that day, if you don't have a problem with that, you need to find yourself a new profession. Oh, and, yeah. you know, I, I think, I think every cop could look at that and say, yeah, that was not handled. Mm-hmm. How well, it even, so they leaked this other footage, even with this other footage, it hasn't changed my mind one bit. Yeah. I, I haven't had, I think I've watched the first like 30 seconds of it. I haven't been able to watch the whole thing, but still think they could have done better. I mean, was he, mm-hmm. not, he wasn't a, your model suspect or whatever. It's not yeah. like he was just totally compliant and like totally chill. He was clearly I think issues on both sides of it. Yeah, for sure. Clearly some issues, but man, it's just like, yeah, that was not okay, man. Nothing about it was okay. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I wasn't there. I don't, you know, it's, there's enough to see to sort of formulate some kind of opinion, but yeah, it definitely sucks, man. When, you know, like you said, a lot of hardworking ass cops, man, that are out, they get up every day, just want to do the right thing. You know, now they're getting shit on them. You know, I'm, I'm hurting for a lot of my friends. I mean, we all, I think every Marine probably has tons of friends that wound up in, Law enforcement. I just think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Melissa, you said, don't you have your, your daughter, stepdaughter is out there sort of mixed in some of the Seattle stuff or in or around? Yeah. She's actually just on the phone with my husband right now. Um, she's in Capitol Hill. Um, but once thing, once like that, like that first shooting where that young man was killed, um, she kind of slowly started walking away from that. And then, uh, even now she's not very involved, but they're still doing, you know, walk to Callie Anderson park, walk to here, walk to city council, walk to city hall and doing things, you know, to defund the police. Um, so that's still happening, but not that chop Chaz, any of those things anymore. Yeah. She's not really involved in that. So that's good. That took a little while, man. That was, I mean, that's, yeah. that was an interesting take. If you ask me, like, uh, you know, these progressive or liberal city mayors, like, whatever they have their agenda they were elected for a reason probably because it sort of matches the ideology of the folks that are in that area but interesting take if you ask me like okay let's just let them go let's just let them roll you know well Uh, i think there's just so much pressure to the seattle like it like the 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 mayor herself i think really I, i don't know i think like you know she was honestly like weighing her options like okay do we you know enforce things on this side and like keep the police there 
or for the safety of the officers, do we just go yeah. ahead and call it? And I think she just pushed, you know, Chief Best just to pull out of there. So it's it totally, totally interesting, in my opinion, like how the woke culture can influence these things and actually officers, right? Like yeah. whatever. I mean, if people have opinions, man, good for them, right? But I mean, the cancel culture shit and like, I mean, these guys are actually learning how to seriously make major impact, like really impact a yeah. lot of stuff. I mean, it, it, I don't know, man. It's like... I'm all for people having their opinions and shit. It's, I think it's healthy, but uh, taking over when, box it, and like shooting people is kind of not, not just kind of, yeah. Weird, you know, it got really, really bad there. I mean, you know, to the point where the people that were living in that area didn't feel safe and they were calling mm-hmm. the police and calling the city and asking for change and help and everything. And, you know, there's video that shows that like the EMTs and the police weren't even able to get into you know, when the first kid was shot and everything, but now, you know, that poor family is looking at the city and blaming the city on everything, even though there was just like this weird, you know, just confluence of things happening in that area. I don't know. You So Dustin, you haven't seen any of the ripple effects of that? Like it hasn't reached out at all across? Oh, well, we've, we've seen a couple of it. Like I said, we had a, we had some protests and whatnot, but I'll, I'll be clear. They were protests and not. Yeah. So that's uh, something that's right. something that people are not, we're not drawing that line, man. No. And you know, we've had, and I want to be very careful what I call them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all about people practicing their, their rights and, you know, freedom to, to protest and do all that stuff. Absolutely. All about that. Um, and I think that's for the most part, that's what we've seen here in the tri cities. Yeah. We've had some, you know, call it, unfriendly, you know, comments and things that have been made publicly towards, you know, police or cities mm-hmm. or whatever. Not new though. Uh, That's not really new. Yeah. yeah. But nothing, nothing like super detrimental. Yeah. Um, you know, I know we had, there was one night, it was in the adjacent city to, to where I work and where Melissa lives. Um, but there were some shop windows that got broken and I think a fire yeah. was set off. You know, that was, that was really the, I think it lasted maybe 20, 30 minutes and everything was over. Um, It's interesting because there's a, like in our area, there's a loud left, you know, populace, but the majority are, you know, people that are maybe a little bit more conservative, maybe more independent kind of in the middle. Um, one of the things that was interesting that did happen here was the, the armed Tricidians that talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was kind of interesting. Like there's a bunch of armed, it was almost like Tricities had their own militia. Everyone that was armed went and protected these areas, mm. you know, from possible people protesting. So e- even when that first got out, like, Oh, people are going to go protest at the mall. They're going to, you know, or go riot actually is what it actually was supposed to happen. Um, when that got out, what actually ended up happening is a bunch of Tricidians, you know, yeah. with all their weapons, you know, went and stood guard of all, you know, ethnicities and skin colors. It and is so, kind of interesting who shows up with guns to protect businesses, isn't it? Like, yeah, you would. Most people have this impression that that's a white thing. That's oh, yes, true. yeah. So not no. True. I mean, gun ownership across the United States is up tenfold. I think. I mean, I don't even know what the actual number is, but it's insane. But you yeah, I saw that too. Gun right now. <laughs> yeah. now, that's a dangerous situation, it, dude. It was even you know Utah is known as like a very conservative sort of quiet place. Yeah, straight, straight Hunger Games downtown. We had a dude <laughs> yeah. pulling a bow like he was like he was drawing his bow on people and shit. Like some dude dinged his car and this dude got out with his bow and they the whole crowd jumped his ass like. Lit his oh my god! That shit doesn't happen here. 
never yeah. happened here. Because even like the, just by virtue of sort of how most of the folks grew up here, even the mm-hmm. liberal side is not as loud as in most cities, right? They're yeah. going to be even slightly more reserved. So yeah, I was like, <laughs> like at my work, we're like drawing up this sort of like product. <laughs> like, hey, yeah, we think it's going to be, you know, it's going to happen. People are going to protest. We don't think it's going to go south. Nope. <laughs> it was like immediate, like immediately Hunger Games. Like no way. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean. Um, there, there was, a, I think there's more protests and more annoyance at our governor because of the lockdown than there is with anything else. Yeah. Um, we have like, you know, I know we made national news because, you know, a Karen went and like yelled at some poor 18, 19 year old at Papa John's or Papa Murphy's, one of the Papa's in Washington. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> want the whole thing. <laughs> in Washington, um, losing her mind because she didn't want to wear a mask, you know? And, oh, uh, I think there's a lot more of that. Like we had like blips. It was real strong in June, but you know, looking at April, May, and now in July, it was a lot more like there was a whole boat tie off out in the river. You know, the Columbia River's quite like quite large. Um, and, and there's lots of people that go out boating and boating in that river. And on the 25th, which was my birthday, we went to a lodge to go have dinner. And the lodge sits on one of the like the docks and it sits on the river. So you can see or the boat ramps, all the boats coming in about like nine o'clock. And I guess that day there was like a 300 boat tie off. And so everyone was out partying and no, you know, uh, face masks, no social distancing, just getting as drunk as they can. Um, and then the sheriff's department was out there, you know, hitting people up. It's very high school of us all though, isn't it? Like in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm not a huge advocate for the mask and all that stuff. I mean, it is what it is. Like I, I felt like it should have been left slightly more as a personal choice, to be honest. It's just me. Um, but I also, I sleep with a CPAP, so I'm masked up, you know, half my day any fucking way. Yeah. So I kind of want some time without shit strapped on my face, you know? Yeah. But, um, like, I think it's a personal choice. Me and my wife's Asian. She grew up in Japan. Like, she's used to wearing that shit. It's normal for her. Um, so I'm not going to knock anybody who wears them. Definitely not a hill I'm willing to die on. I just think it's fucking yeah. completely ridiculous. The shit will politicize. Like, we'll, we turned a yeah. piece of fabric that you've got to put over your mouth for 10 minutes in the store into, like, this left-wing, right-wing fucking argument. It's, it's wild. insane to me. Absolutely yeah. insane to me. It's like, how, how fucking immature are we? in the greatest nation that's probably been on the face of this earth. Like, yeah, it's a little ridiculous to me. There's a, um, I have a TikTok, And so I was watching this video, you know, a little for on your page. And this girl goes, I can't, you know, she's doing a satire, right? She gets in her car. I can't believe that they want me to wear a mask. Well, I get in my car where I had to get a driver's license. And then I'm the law is to put my seatbelts on, you know, and she's just like making it see like you're doing all these things already, you know, because part of society is just to have a little bit of compliance. We're not asking you to change your beliefs about things. You know, it's just that when you interact with the public, you know, throw something on your face so we can get numbers to go down so people can open up their businesses and small so, businesses won't lose it. You know, I think we lost it from the very, very beginning, though, when they we first, totally did. Like, I, I think from the moment, look, the country's already divided, right? I don't think yeah. I think you can easily argue that there's division in across the United States way more than, than I feel like I can remember going back I don't oh, remember, yeah. at least in my time. Yeah. I've talked with some older people and they're like, Oh yeah, this happened in the seventies. This happened here. This happened here. <laughs> this is our, our time right now. It might yeah. not be to the extent of other times, but we're divided. And yeah. when you throw in and you politicize something as dumb as wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah but I mean, I mean, we, you know, it's, and the other thing it doesn't, it's, it's, it's like, you remember like, what marines would do if you gave them a fucking inch man they would go nuts right like oh yeah there would be a mutiny afoot in seconds right <laughs> so now you got fucking dr fauci 
sitting in his elitist ass fucking seat in at a baseball stadium watching a baseball game. The optics, man. I don't care that he was there watching a fucking baseball game. I don't care that he was there with two other people. Who gives a shit? The guy threw yeah. up the first pitch. Obviously, he's gonna hang out, but get him out of the stands, dude. Don't put him on camera when he's not wearing a mask. Like, yeah, you know, what I mean? that's all I'm saying is like optics matters, and we lost it from the very beginning. And I yeah. think if they would have done a little better, and quite frankly, I think if Trump would have just put a fucking mask on in the beginning, yeah, just and maybe- for a couple minutes, like a lot of this shit might not be as be as big a deal but now you actually have people getting hurt over it you know now it's a little it's a little ridiculous so yeah you know he could have just been a little bit more presidential that would have been cool yeah and i've said i've so i i'm a i'm a supporter i i've said that many times but i i am on the presidential kind of idea like hey there are definitely times where you dude you could probably be a little better here but i do also like sort of the bluntness I think yeah. it, it was needed in some aspects, but man, it's just, yeah, we've, we've, as a society also though, we're sort of better than that. Like we could just not be babies about a fucking mask, dude. I just think it's ridiculous. Like throw yeah. this on for five minutes and, and, and Hey, if you don't want to wear it, find someone who will, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, yeah. do, uh, do, we've made shit so easy. Like you don't even have to go in fucking stores anymore. You can just get on your app and you know what I mean, like we've literally made shit so easy. It's, yeah. It couldn't even be an issue, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, don't know, I just think it's a really strange hill to die on, man, for people. like. But again, I boil back to personal. I'm very much like individual personal choice um, kind of guy. And I'm not going to knock anybody who wears one or doesn't, you know? But, you know, I, I'm definitely, when I see people, I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, when I see people who aren't wearing a mask, I sort of, you know, I'll give them that extra foot, you know, I'll give them a little, yeah. birth, if you will. Just in case, yeah. yeah, man. I mean, it's like, dude, I'm not, I mean, it's like, I know my brother-in-law had COVID, right? So I know it's a thing. I know it's a real thing. And I know, I know people can get sick from it and it can hurt. Um, but so can the flu. That doesn't mean I'm going to like totally, I'm not going to go to like a COVID party. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go to a COVID party and like try to get the shit. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't want it. You know, I don't know. I mean, my daughter might've even had it. I'm not, you know, I'm not able to go get her tested or whatever. So it's like, I don't know, man. I just feel like it's really strange. Like where people um, will totally invest like all their bandwidth and be like, fuck your mask. Like really dude. Like, yeah, it's not that bad. Like, I don't know, man. I'm it, a, it's crazy. It, it's, it's just an interesting debate. I'll tell you, I've had debates with coworkers where it's stuff has gotten heated over, if, I'll, I will tell you, I am all about personal choice. When it, if you if you ask me like, hey, are you going to make me wear a mask? Are you going to force me to do that? Yada yada yada. No, I do not care. It is your decision if you're going to wear it. Yeah, man. But, but do not turn around and hate yeah. on me, right? Because I choose to or not to wear one. If yeah, I'm going to sure. afford you the same courtesy, yep. you're going to afford me the same courtesy. You know. Um, now, at the end of the day, what's best? Should we wear a mask? Should we not? I'm I'm not the guy for that argument. You know. I, yeah. And the, the problem is I don't even think we actually know, man. I really still yeah. don't think we actually know. So my, uh, my wife and I, we had recently had, you know, we were home for two weeks. She tested positive. Okay. I tested negative twice, but we were together. You know, we live in the same house. We're around each other. Yeah. Yeah. She showed zero symptoms, nothing. I never had any symptoms, huh. but the person my wife was around who we think she got it from, she had like three days of symptoms and her husband was in the hospital three different times on a ventilator. It's crazy. You know, yeah. They're they're young, just like us. Yep. Totally. So, my brother-in-law was you know, my brother-in-law was fucking tits up for three days. He was just gone. 
He's like, dude, this is the worst thing I've ever had. Fever off the charts. My body's killing me. And it was exhausted. Literally slept like 48 hours, right? Not a, not a single person in his house showed anything other than him. Not one. You know, it's a family of five. It's, I mean, it's like, I don't know, man. I don't even, it's like, dude, I know people here. Like, I know people here in Utah that like smoked together. I'm not going to discuss what it was they were smoking, but they were smoking together. One had it. The other one didn't. And the and they the one tested positive. The one who thought he had it had it, and the one who was negative negative. And they that's about as close contact as you can get without being intimate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's weird, man. Super super weird. I mean, I don't know if it's the testing. I don't know if it's you know who knows, but it's confusing. That's for sure. Like it's you know, I think that's an issue. That's a big. My thing is, you know, being around my wife who is positive. I don't know if I've had it. I don't know if I'm safe. I don't know if I have the antibodies. I don't know because I, I tested negative both times, so I don't know if I can still. You know, yeah. no, who knows? Nobody knows. Yeah. Right? yeah so, so we kind of we actually kind of learned a little bit about the antibody test. Like, so my daughter, we drove uh, right in February. So up up to that point, dude, like we had been traveling to some places that were pretty hot, and we didn't necessarily know it at the time. But as we were coming out, like we're finding out, like oh shit, like these, you know, we were in the Philippines, then we were in Florida, and like all these fucking places, right? And we're like, oh fuck. So then we, I drove to Albuquerque to pick up a puppy. And my, when I got home, my daughter was crazy sick, right? Just, it, was, it was the worst I've ever seen her. I've never seen her so sick. But, but it didn't match any of the symptoms they were saying for kids. So we're like, okay, it's all good. No one else showed any like fevers or any of that stuff. We didn't know. Um, so anyways, fast forward to now, I haven't had her tested, but my wife goes to get um, – she, she gives blood. She does, it's a common thing for her anyways, right? So she goes and gives blood. They test her for COVID, the actual COVID-19 what people don't understand is like COVID is a family of shit. There's a whole bunch of little COVIDs running around. Yeah. There's so a bunch of tests, It might be any COVID, right? So some of these antibody tests, people don't necessarily know if they're being antibodied for COVID-19. So it's a thing like you actually have to ask them. The red cross, I guess is. So my wife comes out negative. So I'm thinking to myself like, well, if you just go to any old testing place, these things are just popping up all over the place. Like what are they actually testing for? You know, are they testing for the family of COVID? which is still actually a test that it's a, it matters. Right. But it's not necessarily COVID-19. So it's like, I mean, I don't know, man, really weird. It's just, it's hard to, you would think in the, like an age where we have all this ridiculous amount of information, like right at our fingertips, like we might be able to figure this shit out, but I think it just made this one worse. Yeah. I think the problem there with that is that we do have all that information, but then there's these little things that we don't have all the information for. So there's only been seven known, you know, coronaviruses in our history. And so that's something that is quite a phenomenon. And they do have a lot of studies going on about it just because they don't understand that, you know, because a virus for all intents and purposes is not necessarily alive. It's viable or non-viable. So viable, so it can attach on and everything. But what they're seeing is that, you know, it's mutated quite a few different times. And there's like these hubs, there's like the European version, and then there's the Asian version. Sure. So I don't know, like the European version is what decimated New York, supposedly, at least based off some of the papers that I've read. Yeah, I don't know. Well, just, follow, just follow like sort of the follow the airplanes, in my opinion. Follow the airplanes. Yeah, totally. Follow the airplanes, right? I, I feel like Melissa's college education was coming out there a second ago. <laughs> oh, totally. no, I think we sort of we sort of started to dabble on some of it because for the longest time I was I was totally on the like hard conservative, like calling it the Wuhan and all this shit and. Yeah, I still do in a joking kind of way, but Melissa very appropriately called it <laughs> on her first episode, and so I've been trying, yeah. trying to, I've tried to be a little more polite about it, but yeah. Um, so you know, 
I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, I have some personal views about, well, let me start here. I'm, I'm fairly conservative yeah. as, a, as a person. I, I have some views about, you know, COVID and everything else, the restrictions and all the stuff that's going on. Um, disclaimer, none of my views on that, you know, come from my department or anything. They're all my personal views. Yeah, sure. Uh, but it's, I just, I think it is being blown way out of proportion. Dude, I think, well, I think the disease and the disease is real and it is killing people and any death is unfortunate, but I have a really hard time, you know, blowing, blowing the whistle about everything COVID when we have the flu that still kills people. We have all these other diseases that still kill people and we're not stopping the bus for all of that, but we're going to, we're going to stop the world for this one. Totally fair take. And to be honest, I think it exposed how fucking naive we actually all are. Oh, super. You know, I am that person that gets their flu shot every year. I am scared to get the flu because when I see people that do die of the flu that are 35 years old, super fit, mama three, you know, blah, 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 blah. But she had an autoimmune disorder. I have an autoimmune disorder. So that is always on my mind. And so I am always the person, you know, that gets my flu shot. So I'm always that person that washes my hands and, you know, doesn't touch certain things. Like when I was at school and everyone else was like gross and like coughing and all that bullshit, I was the person that would get up and move because of their sneezy ass. Dude, when this shit first came out and I saw how many people get messed up by the flu, I was baffled. I'm like, no way. This many, and, and we were getting shots for that shit. You still have 200,000 people like succumbing to the flu. Yeah. And then like, think, think to yourself, like think about your friends, your family, you know, and this is a personal topic for some people, but think about like the people you've known that maybe had cancer and, and passed away. And, and oftentimes it's not the cancer that actually they pass from. It's some other shit, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think, like, as a population of people, we're, we seem to be, we, we tend to believe, like, oh, we're fucking su- Superman, invincible and shit. That's just not true, man. It's just way not true. And, like, we're naive to the shit that actually is kind of out there all the time. Um, and this one, you know, just particularly seems to be, I think um, the death rate seems to be right around the same areas all the other ones. Uh, it's the infectious rate, though. Yeah. How fast this shit spreads, that's a little the bit more. The prevalency awkward. of yeah. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one just seems to be like a unchecked kind of wildfire, which is a concern. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, and also I, I'd like to see if they're ever going to go trace back and like get, a, a you know, during the heat of a pandemic, man, you can't expect like pure accuracy. I don't think, I think that's unrealistic for anybody to expect that. But there's obviously money attached to a lot of this so that's going to drive numbers you know yeah plain and simple i don't care what anybody says you, you know what trips me out is like you know you think about the marine corps and you think about like when they tell you well you're just one person you you're not going to affect the whole of the marine corps like think about this one dude right in china that did something and made this shit happen yeah like, that, that blows my mind yeah you're just that one fucking marine that opened the wrong email boom everybody's got a virus you know and, and yeah or you sneeze on your buddy and it's fucking all hell all hell breaks loose you know yeah that well, happened in okinawa there's a kid that in okinawa there's a there's it had to have started with one right and it just fucking it's it unleashed on the base all of a sudden yeah. boom and they were doing good until one kid probably just broke liberty you know what i mean like yeah uh, like of course the marine's <laughs> gonna do that why wouldn't he yeah uh, I mean, yeah man i mean yeah think about patient zero yeah. Wonder like, did he survive? And if he did, how does he feel? Does you know he have I mean? some guilt? <laughs> like, would would you? Like, I imagine there's a little guilt, maybe. I don't know. I mean, or do you, does like, he even know? Does he have a TV? I don't know. Was it, was it his fault though? Did some other person give it to him? Well, right. it might not be an election year there, so maybe it's you know it's not a problem. <laughs> it's do they have elections? Dude, I I mean, yeah, they don't have elections. So I totally agree with you. I mean, 
Yeah, man. It's, I mean, again, I definitely think um, 2020 just became a perfect fucking shitstorm. I'm done really 2020, for the record. Yeah. yeah. Dude, we just barely got halfway done with this shit. Like, I know. We're, half, we're on the downhill slope now, so that's Let's the good news. Oh, can, can I ask you a real, a real Washington question? They yeah. caught Murder Hornet in Washington. Are you guys good? Yeah, that was over on Not the west side. Referred to as an Asian wasp, but it's a real thing, and they actually caught one. So the question is, like, is yeah. it a thing there for you guys or no? It, they caught it in Linden, I believe. I'm gonna look it up. Um, Melissa, I think this matters for you though, because they don't they destroy bees and shit, which I would imagine help plants, which you're sort of into. Yeah, so not so much. It doesn't matter for grapes because grapes are a perfect thing. They self pollinize, but it would be important for like certain orchards. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> um, that college education coming up. Yeah. Love it. But it's for some things like, so like almonds, for example, they are only pollinized by bees. They yeah. have to be pollinized by bees, you know, yeah. cherries, it helps, but it can be other insects. Um, a lot of your orchards, you know, things like that. But Dustin, um, when you went to work, you didn't get briefed on like murder hornets being in the area and shit, right? Like, no, no, I don't think it was ever a, a real issue. It's funny how the internet can do that though, isn't it? Well, oh, it was it was Lyndon Washington. So I'm a I'm a huge I'm like a there's a little truth in every rumor kind of cat. Absolutely. You know what I mean, the shit doesn't just fucking it rarely does it just come out of fucking thin air. But I mean, things things like you know Instagram, particularly in Facebook, can make the smallest thing just the biggest shit show ever. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. it's actually fascinating. Like, I think a lot of that is you know people. And I'll admit, I don't, I don't watch the news. Well, I got sick and tired of watching the news because I didn't know what to believe. It's Same hard. thing with Facebook. I have a Facebook. I look at it. I use it. I don't really post that much very often. Yeah. Uh, but I think the majority of people, they use things like Facebook and Instagram as news sources. Yeah. Yeah. They don't fact check. They don't look at it. So they see one thing and it just, boom, it's blown up. So. Well, here's the phenomenon on, on top of that is that you can have like knowledge on something, but it's not so much knowledge. It's like how you're interpreting it in the, or like a headline that you really like. And so you share it. Mm-hmm. But then when people call you out on it, like, and you read in the comments and you're like, actually, that's not what it was. It was blah, 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 blah. But then people cite things that are not accurate. Like it, it just like, it's like this continuous. So either like the main person poses something that's like factual has, you know, backup, but then someone's like, well, that's not my truth. And that's not what I think. And that's not what I believe. And then they post something you're like, yeah, but your source is from, you know, you know, donkey something, something. And we're talking about this, you know, it's just like, it's like Jack Astry. It's just a complete, like no, like facts checking or just like, it just the bare minimum of research to look up things. You know, somebody, somebody fighting that, Hey, their viewpoint is right because it's their opinion. So they're right. And yes. or somebody's feelings got hurt, yeah. and so they're you know, no longer is anything fact based or checked. It so I'm, is not gonna say, I'm not going to say we like experiment with our Facebook pages, but we throw <laughs> all kinds of shit out there just on what I do. Just to, yeah. you know, it just generates conversation. It generates yeah. it generates traction, and and the reason why I do it is in the hope that someone will listen to my episodes and hear these veteran stories, right? Right. It is very, very interesting where I can just throw, and I throw shit up from both sides just to, yeah. I'll release these little hyenas and just let people attack it. And it's like, holy shit, man. Like people will dive on these grenades, dude, and they will just, and they'll just hug it, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. it is so awkward. It's like, um, 
Yeah. I mean, actually we're, we're kind of in one right now. Like, I mean, it's like, it's like sentencing. It's about how people get sentenced in this country. Mm. Like, and I don't, I don't personally know where I stand on it, but, um, you know, I think your history matters, but I definitely think, um, it's possible. It's, I'm not saying for sure, but I'm saying it's possible. There's some disparity, you know, in social backgrounds, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't look into it much, but I threw one out there that side by side, it looks terrible. It looks yeah. like the, the deck is totally stacked against one side. And, and the, again, I'm an optics guy, the optics matters. And then you got to sort of weed through it and look through it. But what I'm, all I'm saying is it's interesting. Like, what hills people will die on, you know, and like what, what they're willing to argue. And you're like, dude, like you are wasting some serious bandwidth. Yeah. Something that is, is like, I don't think anyone would disagree that we could always do better, you know, like always, we could always do better. And like, you can't say um, one court is going to sentence exactly like every other single court. It's impossible. There's no way, you know? So obviously there, there's potential for disparity, but yeah, it's interesting what people, um, it's like, well, it's like in my town, it's all good. So it's got to be good everywhere. Like, eh, maybe, right. maybe not. Right. I don't know, man. But well, I'll, I'll tell you that, and, you know, when it comes to sentencing, that's not my job. That's obviously I put a case together and, sure, off and that gets certainly you've seen it. You know, and it's, you've seen it though, right? You've seen like what happens on the outcomes. What I will say is here where I'm at, you know, again, we're, we're kind of in central Eastern side of the state. It is a lot more, um, you know, if you do the crime, you do the time. Yeah. You're you're getting you're going to prison. Sure. Right. But then you see the same types of crimes and things happen. I feel I feel like you see it in a lot of you know on the other side of the state. It's not the case. People aren't people aren't getting as they're not as yeah. I think know, all with so that's the thing. It's like time. I think I think all those things matter. I think who's in charge matters. I think, I think there's demographics that certainly come into play. I think um, who politically is in charge matters. I think the judge's influence, you know, matters. I think these are people like you can't, you can't think that um, we just elect, we just find, we come across these judges that are spontaneously unbiased. I'm sorry, man. I'm sure there's plenty of judges that are really, really good and like really tell that line. But I think it's just inaccurate to think, um, in certain areas of this country that it wouldn't be one way or the other, you know, like, I don't know. I just, there's so many, oh, as a whole, yeah, so as many. a whole, I think, you know, some places I don't have the facts, you know, I don't have anything in front of me showing me how different it is or anything, but I, I think you would be naive to say that it's perfect and the same across the board. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, as I always understood it, I mean, that's why a lot of our founding fathers built our country the way they built it right it, we knew it was going to be imperfect but we wanted to make a more perfect union that seems to be a thing that gets thrown around all the time right so um yeah like i said i just keep going back to it it's just interesting to me like people are just gonna they're just gonna ride that pony all the way home like nope it's all good totally good everybody's getting the same crime they do the crime they get the same time no they don't and, and even if you read like the certain laws there's it's punishable oh. up to X amount of time or this time, right? Like there's yeah. even a window. I mean, it's, it was built that way for a reason. Like, so you can, you can put in factors. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know, man, wild, wild times we're living in right now. Just uh, very interesting. And like, sometimes it's even hard. Like sometimes I get the sense that even like Melissa and I, we do, we haven't like totally shown our whole hand yet. 
about like who we are and what we believe now from where maybe we used to be. I don't know. I don't know, Melissa, if you agree or not. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's hard sometimes because these are people that you care about and you wonder like, fuck man, is it even worth it? Like, is it really even worth it to totally expose who I am and how I feel? Cause you wonder like, and I'm not saying this would happen between me and Melissa or not, but there are people in your life that surely you'd have to like think to yourself like, man, are they going to judge me for how judge me just because I have this one belief that's different from them, you know? Right. I legitimately think that's kind of where we are right now. I guarantee you that there's, I mean, there's people out there. I've even going back into the military, right? I mean, you lose friends in the military based on just the fact that you're in the military and what you do. I can tell you, I have lost friends being in law enforcement, you know, people that were friends previously. Um, Some of them because of things that they've done or the, you know, the they're around the wrong crowd and I can't, you know, based on my profession, I can't do sure. that. Yeah. But then you get into like your beliefs and your, um, you know, call it your, your, what you believe politically, what you believe ethically, morally, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then again, you know, as law enforcement, just being in this profession, there is, there are people that will just disown you as a friend, backstab you and whatnot. Um, my circle is very small. I, I don't have a very big circle. Totally wild, man. There's a lot of people, um, I think on both sides of the aisle for me, they're like, they're, they're would be pretty like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe you just won't even take a stance on that issue. I'm like, why it, it literally has zero impact on me or my family or, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just don't want to invest too much of myself on things that absolutely have nothing to do with what I I'll talk about anything. I will literally talk about anything with anyone. There's just a lot that I would never invest any more of myself into because I, until it impacts me, what's the point, you know, like. Um, I care for people and I care for their stories and their feelings and what they're going through. And like, I would try to support anyone through whatever that might be, but that doesn't mean I'm going to like, you're not going to catch me like rioting <laughs> anytime soon. You know, I'll voice my opinions on things, you know, but, um, yeah, man, it's, yeah, it's wild. I get what you're saying with the small circle though. And I think, um, even since I've started doing like some of the, some of the shows with people, it's like, uh, I'm not so sure that some people like really care for my opinions anymore, you know, cause it's uh, not what it's just not what they would have expected. It's like, well, maybe you should put your expectations in check and actually like listen to people for a change, you know, um, it's just, it's, my side of it, you know, I feel like out there in the world, the I don't want to say the majority of people, but a lot of people that I've interacted with, especially like on my, on my wife's side, you know, her circle of friends, they don't like being told about, reality and things out there I'll be the first one to tell you in my job and my profession as a detective there's a lot of scary people bad people doing very disgusting disturbing illegal and messed up things in the world and I see it every day I investigate people for just being the worst possible human beings ever right when you tell people that don't know about that, that, hey, this, these types of people are out there and these are the things that they do, it, it blows their mind. You know, they don't yeah, want Or even in just in their little, their little community. They don't want to open it up into that reality of what's really out there. Right. And so, you know, you can, again, I don't have the words exactly how to say it, but you can open that up to other things like politics and things that, that have been done or your views and everything. Nowadays, if people don't want to hear it or it scares them or they don't, they're uncomfortable, they won't be around it. They won't talk about it. They won't open up to it. Or they'll just call you a racist or whatnot. Yeah. 
Yeah, people are people are quick to throw labels at people and shit. You Super know, like, quick. yeah, yeah. It's a little awkward. Like, um, again, there's a lot of shit I just could not care less about. Like, I don't care if two dudes like are doing their thing. What does that matter to anyone? You know what yeah. I mean? It doesn't affect me. It impacts me zero, zero. So why yeah. am I going to be upset about it? You know what I mean? Like, but like if if you were to, I mean it's not how I live my life. Like, am I, am I a bad person? Because I don't immediately conform to how they live their life. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's awkward, man. Like, I don't know. I I try to be as sensitive to everyone in their situations as I possibly can be without really formulating too many opinions. There's a couple things I'm totally not interested in socialism being one of them. Like it seems to be a topic that fucking drives me nuts. I don't know why. I think it's just how I was raised probably. Um, you know, but I'm sure even even if you really got in the weeds, there, you know, all these things have some positive aspects to them. Otherwise, they just sure. clearly wouldn't be a thing. But it's just weird, like how how much um, how personally people take shit and it really yeah. isn't even like well, in their life. You know, it's interesting because I, I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago with my husband's family, and we were all sitting around um, like talking, and, and it was like you know politics and everything. And there's a lot of strong, you know women in his family sure. and I, maybe that's why he like decided to hitch a train to, you know, my caboose, if you will, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Like I, maybe that was his thing, but like talking with them, you know, you know, the, obviously the subject of Trump and, you know, Biden come up and about like democracy and, and I do think I'm liberal, but people get that confused or the connotation of liberal is automatically being left. But a liberal is just like, yay, do your thing, you know, have fun. It can also be libertarianism, you know, it can be independent. But the word liberal. It's such a dirty word now. It, it right. is. And that's the part. Of the and I have a bad taste in my mouth now. I know. I totally I get that's it. Not, but that's not like the connotation of what it's supposed to be, right? So I read a book. I read a book called Classical Liberalism. It's the most conservative book I've ever read. This is my point. Yeah. So, I mean, these labels that we, we willy nilly throw on each other is pretty, pretty not fair, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that there's was even, so liberal, liberal should no longer be this dirty word that people like, you know, fairly conservative people would throw around because it's, it's actually liberals actually aren't, the, aren't the bad ones. They're the ones that are still into like freedom of thought and actually discussing things and yes. ha- having dissenting opinions and feeling like, mm-hmm. oh, it's now the progressives. It's these people running around saying they're progressive. They're right. the sort of scary ones. And until they clearly delineate themselves from the sort of liberal pack, uh, that's going to be a problem. But that's also on the right. That is very much on the right side, too. Um, to consider yourself conservative now is sort of, depending on who you're talking to, a, yeah. bit, a dirty little word, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know and, and I threw around the conservative, you know, saying that I'm conservative. I'll be honest. You know, I haven't kept up with all what all the names mean nowadays, right? Well, you can't. I, you, know, I, you know, I consider myself to be a Republican. I believe in, you know, the Second Amendment and, you know, just all those big things that typically revolve around being a Republican. Yeah. But again, does that, is that even the title anymore? You know, I, I, think, I don't I think, know. I think if we had true... Um, I've sort of been exploring the whole two-party system a lot lately, but if, if you, um, if we had a true like litmus test on just people in general, I think the mass majority, and, and this is, I don't even know if it's possible to write one that's unbiased, but I think the mass majority of people would find themselves to actually fall in line with the libertarian party. 
Yeah. Because there's so much on either side you could totally get behind. Um, where really we're all pretty centrist, I think, for the most right. you're average Americans. I'm not saying like people people who are like working at Capitol Hill in DC, obviously they're gonna be way skewed. They yeah. have to they have to be, otherwise they wouldn't have a place there, right? You have to right. have, you have to find a home and a niche. There's a place and a time for that. But I mean I think the mass majority and the sad part is like um a good libertarian candidate will never get a fair look, you know, they're just going to steal a little portion of the boat from one side or the other. Yeah. Cause um, politics got dirty. And that's sad. I mean, so Joe Jorgensen's a libertarian candidate right now and she's got a strong, she, she has a pretty strong hand and, and like a lot of people could totally get behind like a lot of her ideas. I'm not saying they're going to believe in everything, you know, but I mean, it's like Tulsi Gabbard's uh, Democrat, like out of Hawaii. There's a lot. I think I could, you know, she's got a lot going. I liked her. I voted for her originally. I like, I like a lot of things that she's pushing. There's some stuff I could never get behind her on, but I mean, yeah. you know, there's, you know, it's like some of these people never ever get a fair shake because of these weird establishments that have been created. So it's like, like I said, I'm sort of exploring it and, and it, I can't find anything that says we have to be one or the other. Um, no, just, it's just like, it's kind of like, we, if sort you, of <laughs> we just, yeah, yeah it, it has. Like if you look at the ballot, like, okay, so today's uh, voting day for Washington state, Okay. And we've had ma- mail-in ballots for like 15, 20 years, something like that. We've done I it for wrote a really your name long in time. for governor, Melissa, by the way. What's that? I wrote your name in for governor. Hope you didn't mind. Oh, yeah. I wrote the Sonic guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you look at, like, that's the thing. I was pissed when I opened that up. You know, in a year with all this, like, kerfuffle and things and stuff, there's like 35 candidates for governor. And then the parties in there are pre-Trump Republican Party. Um, there's the space guy, which is like some party, uh, the library party. I mean, there's just like, like probably 10 different parties on there. And and it's frustrating as like a person that's a voter to be looking at that going, are you serious? Like, why is this like a jokey joke thing to people just to like, Oh, all you gotta do is just to get your name on the ballot is to do this. Okay. Well I'm, you know, the, you know, civil war Republican party. Okay. Well, congratulations. Now you're on the ballot for Washington state for governor. And it was just so dumb. It made me, I was so angry with that. It's totally frustrating. It's like, it's like the Olympic people. Have you ever heard of like the Olympian who was American, but her grandfather is Ukrainian. So she like traveled to all these really obscure places and like, snowboarded and like got to the olympics and yeah rode the pipe but never did anything it's kind of the same concept but but at the same time it's like how come you've never heard of any of these people though right but like you would think if they got themselves on right. a ballot, you'd at least hear about them yeah and i only know of two of them insley well three of them because that one dude always is in the the voting process for washington state tim iman or whatever his name is um but yeah, no, I, you know, so here, you know, I'm having a conversation with, you know, his family and I was like, you know, the biggest supporters of Trump that are on my Facebook page are Marines that I was stationed with. And they're like, well, yeah, military. I'm like, no, but listen, they're all my Hispanic friends. Yeah. They're, they all love Trump. They, they, that's yeah. all I see on my page is Trump, 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 Trump. Yeah, they do. It's very you know? interesting who follows Donald Trump. Uh, so oh my God. I, I did a little experiment the other day and I would encourage everyone to jump on your little Facha book. And go on Donald J. Trump's page and look at all your friends that support him. And then go on Biden's and look at all your friends that support him. And you'll be mm. fucking shocked. I promise you, you'll be surprised. I don't care yeah. what, what political party you, you, you claim. You'll be surprised, I promise. Um, yeah. I well, think, you know, the well, new thing... I don't think it's real, but um, yeah. I don't know. 
the new thing that people say is like, well, you know, I'm, I'm fiscally Republican, but socially and, you know, for the people, I'm a Democrat. And I'm like, well, guess what? That is not how American politics work. You got to be one or the other. And for Washington State, you have to declare what party you are in order to vote. And then you have to vote for that person. Yeah. Fiscally conservative, socially liberal is a very libertarian idea. Um, exactly. Right. But, I, you know, but then you can't get into that conversation with people because they just don't understand. You don't have to be left or right. You can be in the fucking middle. Yeah. It's okay. Well, you know, case in point, there's, there's a handful of stuff on, you know, we'll call it the liberal side. That I, I actually agree with like, I'm totally okay with abortion. If it's your body, you don't want a kid. I mean, that's, that's up to you. I'm okay with that. That is not a Republican view. That is, you know, life a hundred percent. Again, I go back to the, you're your own person. You know, if that's what you want to do. Again, I get it. You know, when is a baby officially a baby? When is it considered murder? Yeah, those I, go are hard. State, I go by the state law, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a cop, so I kind of have to. Um, but just having all these different views, primarily, yes, I have conservative Republican views. Yeah. But there's also a lot of other things that I don't agree with or agree with on the other opposing side. Sure. And it's, I think the worst thing that we're stuck in right now is the two-party system. It completely makes, I, I think it brings, you know, things like the Senate and, and the House of Representatives completely to a halt because we have two sides that can't agree on anything. Right. And again, I'm no, I'm no political well, know-it-all or by any means, but it's just outside looking in, you know? Yeah. Go ahead, Melissa. What were you going to say? I was going to say like, um, the, but they do want all the same things, right? Like, okay, we want to lower taxes and help people. Okay. But they can't agree on that. Right. Um, we want to make sure kids are safe, but they can't agree on that either. Um, like it's, it's, you can't agree on it. It's like the, it's like their new steadfast rule that they can't agree on things. Agree on things? No, never. You're left. I'm right. We can't do that. Yeah, it's baffling, actually. I mean, especially, and I think it's it's really been exposed now through through the whole COVID relief type stuff, right? When you've, you've actually got people suffering, you know. I mean, suffering might be a strong word, but you've got people struggling without a question. With it, you know, no questions asked. People people have lost their jobs, businesses are closing, whatever. Um, and it's like obvious now, like really guys, you can't just kind of write a clean bill. You know, it's like, yeah. like, Hey guys, we like, we totally send you here to do this job. And you're saying even in an emergency, you can't just do your job. You have to do all that. You have to always be extra, you know? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, we tell kindergartners to share and play nice. Uh, does that change once they get older and they walk into Washington DC and go into those fancy buildings that were built forever ago and they're all weird? Yeah. What is that? Going- Going off of what you were saying, Mark, you know, the whole, we can't just pass an economic stimulus package to give Americans some extra money. Yeah. We got to throw in 20 other things that we're going to try to handle. But if you want this big thing, you yeah. have to agree to all these little things. And Republicans uh, do it too. They both do it. It's, you know, it's like, yeah, it's both sides. Sure. I get the whole business horse trading type deals and all that stuff. And let's cut a deal. Let's cut a deal. I get it. But right now, it's not the time for that kind of shit. You know, it's like we don't have a full session. You know, we have real people that are really struggling. Like, it's a little, it's, it's, it's not a little, it's a lot, unfortunate. And, um, it's a big turnoff, man. And I think, um, I think a lot of people are going to hurt from this. You know, I really think a lot of elected officials, um, 
probably not a good year to be an incumbent. You know, if you're an incumbent and that's all the way up to Donald Trump, like it's dangerous, danger, you're in dangerous waters because incumbents are historically hard to unseat. Um, but in a historically unprecedented year, good luck, you know, is yeah. all I have to say. So, yeah. um, I don't know, man, wild, wild times, but where, so what might your thoughts be on term limits? Are you for it? Oh, me? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't I think, think you should be in Congress. I don't think you should be comfortable to the point where you've been in there for, it, it makes it so hard to vote you out. Let's, let's look at Washington, for example, right? There is a elected official. Now, this person happens to be the governor, but I mean, half the state is unhappy. Geographically, half the state is unhappy. But if you look at Washington and the history of how they voted, the entire state, like all the counties vote for a Republican Party. Yet there's, I don't know, Melissa, how many counties is it? It's King County and Pierce County. I think there's maybe four or five. Yeah, maybe they get to decide the votes. Right? Yeah, you know they get to decide the the election, and it. Based I think there should be term limits. That's why they want to get rid of um, they, meaning the the progressive left, wants to get rid of the electoral college, because it would be boiled down to population densities, vote. which historically vote blue. Because it's a, I, I grew up in New York, so historically, like New York is a very blue state allegedly. It's actually just very blue in population densities. The rest of it is much like what you guys experience in yeah. Washington. I think a lot of states are like that. Um, I think Utah is quickly becoming like that. I don't know that we just are a medium to small size city, so it'll. I don't know that they can ever um, pull the numbers, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm for term limits. I mean, I could see them going like 20 years, and then if you don't have like a higher, if you haven't achieved like a higher uh, sort of billet or whatever. Um, and you don't have like a clean record, you know, then go. But I, I would even say I'd go for shorter, man. I'd be more along the lines like 10. If you can't accomplish what you want to do in 10 years, I mean, we give the president eight, right? If he gets yeah. elected the second term, Fair enough. you know, why are we're allowing people 20 years in Congress for just arguing and bickering, right? Valid point, man. It is a valid point. Like Bernie Sanders, um, is very popular at a lot amongst a lot of people, but that man has not done shit the whole time he was there as if they're reporting his record factually, he literally has not done much of anything, if at all, you know, I mean, and then, then you get, you know, Biden, I think has written some legislation. I think it's actually pretty fucking controversial legislation, but, um, he's at least done a few things in the 30 or 40 years plus, you know, being a V, uh, you know, the VP or whatever, but there's a lot of people that haven't really done fucking anything, man. I mean, it's shocking, actually, if you think about it. Like um, The other thing that I, you know, I'm, I don't want to say I'm huge on it because it's not like I'm out there preaching about it, but I got some strong views on, you know, the, the idea of how much we pay, you know, a senator or a Republican. It used to be you didn't, you didn't get a wage for that. You know, you were voted in and that was, that was a civic duty to go and do that. Right. And now, you know, you have millionaire senators and Republicans making mad money off of going to Washington and arguing for a living. Yeah, you know? sure. I mean, I, I think it was like almost like, like a lot of your state legislature people, they don't get shit. I think they, they may get like a small little stipend, but they're not making money. That's yeah. just, yeah, again, you said like civic duty. I think nationally it's obviously a little different, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're, I think they're grossly overpaid and, and their fucking record should reflect man. Right. Like everything else in this world is incentivized for the most part. I mean, I think you should have like a small base salary. And when your fucking ass gets a bill passed and it you helps get this. People, you get a little bit more, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
or like almost he packaged. <laughs> like, yeah. hey guys, if you guys could come together and actually be a Congress and like, you know, you'll get this. Oh yeah, my God. That's a great idea. Get some partisanship going on. Like where you guys actually work together. Like, Hey, you know that, but then again, you know, then you could also wind up willy nilly passing all kinds of wild shit just so you get your little kicker or whatever. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> you're walking a fine yeah. man, but I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, these fucking people do. They're grossly overpaid. Um, in my opinion, at least based on their current results, right? Like mm-hmm. they're not really doing enough um, for people, pandemic or not, you know. Um, so yeah, it's definitely shit we should all think about. Um, who's uh, I think Ted Cruz right now is um, really pushing hard on term limits. Mm. There, so it seems to be a bit more of a conservative idea. At least, weird. at least people, which I thought was weird. Um, yeah, but it seems to be more conservatives pushing for, at least publicly. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, um, what people are like behind the curtain there, but mm-hmm. yeah, sort of interesting. Ted Cruz is definitely, definitely pushing for it, which, you know, I think it's, it's worth exploring. You're right. We give the president eight years. So why isn't there more limitations on the other guys? Yeah. It's, the other it's, also, it's also kind of funny when you get a guy and any guy for that matter, because like Obama wasn't in um, office as a senator, I don't think for a terribly long time before he became president, right? So um, who knows? I don't, I don't know his record as a senator, but he did some shit. Like he got some shit done as president. So it's yeah, like, out. how do you wind up? How do you wind up president, get some shit done, but not really do much before that, right? So yeah. there's a disconnect somewhere. Well, I read a book a while ago. This is a long time ago, like junior Marine situation that talked about how there's like a grooming of certain people at certain points of their life. They're like almost picked or like, like identified, if you will. Yeah. Like, like this is the pool, you know, and these are the ones that are going to be possibilities coming up. Yeah. Almost like preordained or like, yeah. But in a way, yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a secret like society of presidents, but it's like the way that they, put them together it's like they just get identified and then those are the ones that are like groomed well i think that's that's one of the big reasons why i think everyone hates trump so much is he's not that fucking he totally wasn't that yeah major major disruptor you know yeah um, so i think that's that's the big problem at least on the political like actual politicians mm-hmm. there's i guarantee there's tons of you know conservatives that don't like him they're just afraid to say it because oh yeah that that's proven to be historically bad for republicans you know yeah that happened in utah representative love didn't show him no love and she's gone you know oh wow it's like she you know she's an african-american republican in in a conservative state she's everything that her district should have wanted and she i was super outspoken against trump and like no shit her the vote reflected it was wild Mm. called it like so i mean it's, it's these weird sort of circumstances where they get sucked into these circles, you know, they can't, they can't necessarily be their own people. It's wild. I mean, I, and I brought up Tulsi, you know, she's someone the um, Democratic Party should have been all for supporting in, in a lot of ways. If you're going to take all the demographics and everything into effect, she's a veteran, she's a minority, yeah. uh, Democrats, partially progressive, like they should have been all for that. And they shut her down because she doesn't like Hillary. You know, there's this establishment that, um, and that could be really good for them. Yeah. Yeah. There's an establishment on both sides that sort of runs the roost. And every now and again, they'll, you know, one, one or two guys will come out of nowhere. I mean, you look at somebody like Biden, the dude's been running for president for like 40 years. Like, <laughs> I mean, like he's tried a bunch, like, and, and it just keeps failing. Crazy yeah. Joe. Huh? What'd you say? Crazy Joe. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the dude, like literally the dude tried, I think unsuccessfully the first time I think in the eighties, right? 
Yeah, I think so. He's been around for a while. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> like, how do yeah. these guys keep finding their way back? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of enough about that. So, Washington is, at least the eastern half is a safe place these days. That's good to hear. Yeah. You know, I recruited on both sides. So, running a recruiting office was easier, but I was on eastern Washington, so that was kind of nice. Um, yeah. It is kind of just much like how we pick a governor. There's these little pockets of blue everywhere, and so those are the ones that are a little bit more traditionally um, difficult to recruit in. They're travel stations. Um, but then running a recruiting office in Eastern Washington was great because I had my Marines. It was good, but we definitely made more than our mission and helped make the RS mission. Yeah. But you could see those political lines just even with recruiting. So even just, just barely getting out of the schoolhouse, that was the only time anyone ever in my experience in the Marine Corps mentioned demographics. It was the only time it was ever even a thing right down to how they select you for where you might go. You know, mm-hmm. that's really the only time it was ever a factor in my, in my experience. So yeah, uh, I get it. Totally get it. I mean, you know, because like, you, you know, there's cert- certain places like, um, guys just couldn't make it. They just would fail, you know, and Oh I, yeah, I want them to fail. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, a female, I couldn't go run the Hayden office cause that's Northern Idaho. There's a bunch of, you know, white supremacy over there and females are supposed to be barefoot and pregnant. Well, and just like that, you know, you wouldn't send me to the recruiting office in East LA. I wouldn't make it. <laughs> or even South Center or Seattle. Yeah. I mean, so when, when people, when, and, and this is one way I try to explain it, like a lot of people these days don't want to hear about demographics, but I have a mixed, my daughter's mixed, right? So when she golfs, she looks for a mentor and it, it matters that she sees someone like herself, you know? Um mm-hmm. And I think if you're a kid who's lost and looking for a gang to join, you need to see someone who's somewhat like yourself and yeah. you can take that however you want. Is that, is that um, a, a banger that looks like you and grew up like you, or is that a Marine who looks like you and grew up like you? You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it matters. And it was interesting though, because literally the only time um, people often think that the military is like sort of um, immune to all these social problems. I think in, in some ways it's a little bit insulated from them because we can break a lot of that down, but it's not, we're not immune to it. Um, so that shit exists. You know, there's some weird social problems that exist in the military. Just maybe not as prevalent, but yeah, the only time uh, I would, ever I would say it's a bigger issue, the male female issue yeah. than it is the race issue. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Personally, that's hundred, hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, demographics was never a thing until you go to recruiting. And it really yeah. never was because then, then it becomes a numbers game and it becomes like a, you know, obviously like who are you going to relate to more? You right. know? Exactly. So, I mean, it, you know, in that, in that context, it totally matters, but I know, which is weird because how every female Marine ever gets into the Marine Corps then because no female Marine ever really has like a female Marine recruiter. I mean, I guess like the girls that I recruited and when I was the boss, maybe that changed, but I mean, there, I never saw a female Marine. I didn't know that there was females in the Marine Corps when I joined. Very rare. Yeah. Very, very yeah. rare. I mean, to see them as recruiters for sure. It's like yeah. you might see one at, out of like each major station, even at the schoolhouse, there were very few. Yeah. I think at the schoolhouse, when I went back the second time, there was one female um, as an instructor, but the Russian when I went, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, she taught I she's still there. Yeah. She was there anyway. I remember her. She, taught, yeah. she taught me speech or like she, she critiqued my speech videos. 
she was uh, she um i walked in behind her when we were getting our uniforms done mm-hmm. and i was stationed in camp pendleton so we lived up in vista and just i was staying down there for the second time i was going to school because i'd been out of recruiting for three years so whatever i shouldn't have had it went the second time anyway um but when I went back down there, it was like a Monday morning, it was raining and it was San Diego and it's just a shit show when it's raining. People don't know how to drive. And I walked in behind her. She's like, why are you late? And I'm like, oh, I'm not late. You know, Gunny, I was, I was here, you know, I'm, I'm here. And she goes, oh no, you know, Maps is not going to be able to take you. I'm like, please, bitch, I, I've already done that part. I drove in Seattle, you know, where it would take us like four hours sometimes because uh, it's 28 miles away but that's just how ridiculous traffic is in Seattle. Um, mm. Trust me, I can get an applicant there to take, take the ASVAB. That's not a problem. <laughs> uh, that was a common thing they would throw around. Maps ain't going to take that. You ain't going to show uh, Please. Get out. So I, I got a lot of crap because I was one of two corporals in recruiting school when I went. Uh, and so, you know, being the young corporal, I was, you know, no, pretty I'm a young guy, right? So I got, all, I got to do all the crappy stuff and, you know, got got harassed the most and stuff like that. You know, it just and then coming out to recruiting duty, it was just it was different with the with the rank game. You know, people always ask me, "You re-enlisted already? Like, you're yeah. you're a sergeant and or you're a corporal and you're on recruiting duty? You know, how did that happen? Yada yada. It's it's just interesting. Did you just tell them you were in the infantry. Usually, yeah. I mean, that was the first thing. I was salty as fuck, so it's fine. <laughs> that is true. Those infantry bitch, like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, please. historically, don't you guys get promoted to sergeant fairly slow, though? Even even the studs, if, if I understand the infantry correct, it, it, it's fairly difficult to get promoted. Yeah, it was, I mean, I'd say the easiest in the infantry, it was easiest to get promoted as a rifleman. But, you know, all your specialties, your, um, your mortarmen, your assaultmen, shoot, your assaultmen never got promoted, right? Um, it, it was, but, and then going out to recruiting duty, I mean, I got promoted fairly fast. I think I was only out there as a corporal for like four or five months at the most. Yeah, yeah it wasn't long. It wasn't very long at all. But. We, we were still, they ran a couple of corporals through, uh, just in my, even, they were actually a lot, surprisingly a lot there, but there were two, I think just right in my little section or whatever, like whatever your fucking breakdown was. I had Gunny Spear was my instructor and then like his whole little crew, whatever the fuck mm-hmm. we were. I forget what the fuck we were, but he had, he had like two corporals. One of which was like a reservist and shit. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's wild. Actually, well, the kid was like a AAV guy. Shout out to the AAV guys. Oh yeah. He's hurting right now. Well, that was kind of, that was kind of a reason why I got out was, you know, at the, at the end of my four and a half years on, or sorry, three and a half years on recruiting duty. Uh, I was going to be in zone for staff sergeant. Yeah. But I wasn't going to be able to pick it up because my recruiting station refused to send me to sergeant's course. Yeah. And their reasoning was you're too valuable on recruiting duty. I, we can't send you to sergeant's course, you know, yeah. Ma- major heartburn on that. Cause that obviously told me that my career as an in- individual Marine, but the mission is important. It's, it's the mission. It's the mission was more important. It was also the big point, you know, being a s- successful recruiter, I was actually, and I talked with Melissa about it before she kind of left, was, hey, possibility, you know, I found my niche in recruiting. Maybe I could be a 8412. Maybe I could be a boss. I was never approached, never talked to, never. And I get it. It was my first time out on recruiting duty. They like, 
But there's a lot of guys that are in that situation. It's like their first time out of recruiting duty and they're successful. They, you know, extend for maybe one more year. They get promoted. They stay out there. You know, um, that that's really common. I just think that people thought that you were just going to get out. I don't know. I guess like that's my mentality, like how I saw that. Um, but then also it's like, it's a weird thing recruiting. If you're not one of the... Especially after, especially after I left, I think there was a little bit of that 8412s, those career recruiters that were in our Seattle. There was the majority of them were maybe good, but the ones that were making like the decision, the decision makers for to who is going to be a 12, I think that's where that wasn't going to happen for you. Mm. Yeah. No, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like I was the next best thing since sliced cheese, but. I think I definitely put myself in a position, especially with our office needing like yeah. some leadership and, mm-hmm. you know, had I been approached, I might've, I might've looked at it a little bit yeah. harder, but um, I, I think just the way some things that happened in the office after you left, I mean, that office just went downhill and I was, yeah. I, it was a ticking time bomb after you left and I'm glad I was able to get out of there successfully. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, man. When I when they told me I was going on recruiting duty, I was like, "All right, fuck it. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna crush it. I'm gonna work harder than everybody else." Because that was just sort of my nature, right? That's just mm-hmm. I would have made a bazillion phone calls if I had to, or fucking talk to you know emo Joe and fucking the back of Walmart <laughs> or whoever, you know, whatever I had to do to find you know. I just that's just me, man. That's what I would have done. And I was like, you know, the, at that position, like the way my body felt, the way my mind felt, like I'm like, if I can handle the stress, I'm just gonna try to hang out here and finish, you know. Yeah. Oh, and that was my thing, you know, coming out there as a corporal. Like, you damn right, I had something to prove. I didn't want yeah. to be, you know, average Joe recruiter. I I wanted to be the best. And so I, I was motivated to be out there recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, you know, I had my focus was my career and recruiting, not, you know, everything else that people get that recruiters get involved with and, you know, and then you got the, you know, not to get into the bad stuff, but there's recruiters that go out there and they get involved with the things they should never be involved with, you know? Yeah. Dipping in the depth. Dipping in the depth, messing with poolies. um, Just, you you know, like the thing is, is like, if you're married, when you go out on recruiting duty, you get divorced by the time you're done. And if you're like single, then you end up married by the time you're out of recruiting. Recruiting is weird because I think it, it, it manifests some things in some people, that stress and that inability to handle stress. So it's like certain MOSs, I don't know, I think you can really b- build like, um, like a whole science experiment on that. It's like certain MOSs that actually make it, but then also going down to like personality types because like, you know, like there's some people that should make it and you're like, wow. And then there's other people that you're like, damn, I, I'm, I'm impressed. You know, like that one Hispanic or, you know, Spanish speaker that was up in Spokane, he, his accent was so bad, but he was like the salt of the earth, man. This guy was so great. He was so kind, so nice. And it's like, you know, his boss hated him and always talked shit about him. Like, you know, cause we had to go do training all the time and once a month with all the other, you know, recruiters. And, and I would sit there and talk with him. How is it going? How are you doing? Tell me about this. You know, how was this interview? Okay, what's that problem? You know, and just talking to him and trying to help him, you know. I mean, he was such a good guy, you know, but something changed in him that all of a sudden his boss loved him, you know, and the A slash loved him. And then it was like, it's like he just started making things happen, you know. It was like 
those are the ones where you're like, you see those happen like in real life and you're like, man, that's so good. Like I remember talking, you know, to Dustin here, like just losing my mind about like some of his interviews or appointments that he set. You know, and it's always like, it's like that six month mark, you know, that you can kind of see like, okay, this is going to be the kind of kid, you know, like, okay, it's going to be good, you know, but then you, as a boss, you do, you got to stay on that and like mold it and meld it and constantly be organized and like constantly looking at your pool board and like moving that stuff around. Because if you're not able to be that buffer for your Marines, those Marines are going to feel that. And then they're not going to be successful for you. Yeah. But at the same time, on that note, if, you're, if you have a boss that's going to do that for you, you have to be the Marine that's going to put in the work and do yeah. the job. And I know you know there was, there was a Marine in that office that he came later on, and he was there after you left. He didn't work for you. He worked yeah. for himself, and that, yeah, did, did. that did nothing for him. Yeah. yeah, you know, like there's like, I don't know, like recruiting duty is like this really weird thing. You can have a team of four Marines. And you can deal with the one that's the, like the one-off. And as long as those three are good, you know, and what I learned is like, you can have two that are one-offs and, you know, as long as you have one that is like buying what you're selling as the boss, you know, it's, it's going to be good. And you'll be the biggest, you know, loudest voices out there because if your team is not tight, you will be a failure. It will suck. You will hate your life and you'll hate everything about recruiting. You'll hate the Marine Corps, everything. When we got PCS Moses Lake, I'd say after about three, four months after getting that station attached to us, I think we had an awesome freaking team yeah. and we were killing it. Yeah. But and I learned that. People like left and got promoted and, you know, retired and it just went to shit. But yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. It's all your fault. Yeah. But I mean, I saw the just the pose, you know, like being a Marine as a canvas recruiter over on the West side, and having a boss that was just like horrible, did not, you know, manage anything, did not like track anything. And just, we didn't have a tight team. He had his one little favorite and they would just go off and drink beer all the time. And so the, like the rest of the, the other four of us, you know, we felt it and we were busting our ass, you know, working from like seven o'clock in the morning to like midnight trying to find appointments. And so then once you do have like that person that is like holding everything then it's just like magic happens, you know, and then you just get like enamored with the hustle, you know, making mission, you know, getting a call that, you know, someone's waiver got approved and you got to get them up there. So that way you can make mission, you know, just. You drop three contracts on mission day, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, I, I, I got far enough in the process to know where I was going to be and I called yeah. and he didn't answer the phone. So I was like, yeah. here we go. And then, like, two days later, I think they were like, yeah, fuck your tattoos. Bye. I was like, uh, peace out. So. Yeah. All good. Recruiting's, you know, man. I mean, even now, just, like, seeing some of the guys that are coming out of it, you know, I tell them, you know, talk to medical, go do this, go do that. Because, you know, the operating stress level is so high that you, it just starts to be your constant. And so, you know, your level's there. But then you start to bump that up and then your operating stress level is so high that you, you're not able, your body's not able to finally kind of calm down. Mm-hmm. You know, when you bring up a good point, because I know you asked earlier about, you know, the transition from recruiting duty to law enforcement. Law enforcement as a patrol officer is the most high stress job that I think, one of the most high stress jobs out there. You are constantly in a state of 
just being high vigilance, right? Always looking, always watching, always head on a swivel, everything. You know, everything they teach you as a grunt on the ground in a combat zone, just always looking around. You're doing that for 12 hours a day on shift. Well, when you come off recruiting duty, you're already multitasking, high functioning. You're doing that already. And so to bring that over, all I needed to do was just tweak, you know, tweak the, the areas where I was, focusing all that energy and, you know, at the end of the day, all that stress where I was focusing it and it, shoot, it helped me to be, you know, successful cop so far. So people talk about PTSD because it's obviously highly prevalent right now Uh and and we need to talk about it, but what we don't talk about often enough is um, just operational stress. Um, What people deal with just trying to be switched on all the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a, that's a dangerous thing too. Um, I didn't see anything in the Marine Corps um, about operational stress until I got to the, uh, the depot in San Diego. Uh, and yeah. had some of those signs up and people in those positions with the drill instructors. Um, I didn't see or anyone really talk about it much. Maybe I didn't make it far enough in recruiting, but it's obviously prevalent in recruiting too. So No, I don't think they talk about it Like when you're at school. I think they it's talk just something about that... stress and anxiety. You obviously can get screamed yeah. because of that stuff. But, but, I mean, it's not like they have an op stress guy in the command. Like yeah. People stay right you know yeah i mean like uh they were remember they were bringing in people like towards the end of my time that last year they were bringing in like a financial planner so that way we could all get up on our tsp and then they brought in a guy to talk to all of us yeah like a counselor but he wasn't yeah you know but i think that was uh like a reaction from in tennessee completely reactive it was it was because of that uptick in suicides which well, and also because of that, uh, you know, the, the shooting that happened at that recruiting station. Tennessee, uh, yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. So that, so that was all in a response. And so they started bringing out people to talk to us. Dude, I got, I got homies, though, that, like, were out on recruiting, and they're, like, allergic to their phones and shit. Like, they, don't, they won't fucking talk on a phone. They freak out when they yeah. get messages and shit. Like, um, that's true. I had, guys, I had guys at HMX or MPs and shit. Like, your fucking ass is getting recalled all the time. Like, that shit fucks with you, dude. Like. You know, yeah. they actually have pro- like weird sort of you develop some social problems because like you're you're sitting at home trying to live your life with your family and you're fucking paranoid that you're going to get called in or something. You know what I mean? Like over time. Something's going to happen. You know, oh, I can't find this pulley or this pulley just got a ticket or this pulley just got into an accident. It and they're supposed to ship on Sunday, you know? Like, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but that could totally fuck up a recruiter's world. You know what oh I mean? Oh my God. Because shipping's key, you know? It translates to... Well, that means I'm working Saturday now. That means I'm working yeah. Sunday. Yeah, right. That's yeah. you know that's a that's a horrible thing because you just promised, you know, your wife that you were going to be home for dinner on Sunday. Finally, yeah. for the first time in however many months, or you yeah. were going to actually have a little date night with your husband or whatever it may be. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know that um, people just associate the military with like combat stress, and that's fine because it's it's a prevalent thing, right? And and yeah. we need to take care of those guys, um, absolutely, but. It's, a, it's stressful for everybody, man. Like, you know, yeah. it's a, it's like one way or the other, you're just, you're operating just like you said, as a cop, man, you're operating in high stress environment, switched on constantly. That takes right. a pull on people, you know? Um, it does. I, I mean, your the heart itself, if, if your brain isn't able to relax or like your heart's not able to relax, they send signals to each other. Yeah. You know, my husband had an aortic dissection, his aorta burst from his archway all the way down and dissected all the way to his groin. You know, and, and they talk about how it was undiagnosed, you know, high blood pressure, hypertension, you know, but he spent eight years, you know, on recruiting. He was on corporate recruiting at the time, 
but he was also, you know, in the military. Yeah. You know, and there's like, a, there's like this like big tie that kind of goes into it. And people don't realize that that, that phone thing, that's real. Like I, on recruiting, I don't want to talk on the phone. Like if you're a friend of mine or you're my aunt, my uncle, my mom, my brothers, you know, anything, I'm like, cool. I'll text you maybe next week. But I will, I will text you a novel versus having a conversation yeah. with you. Just a like, lot of people say, oh, that's because you're a millennial. No, it's recruiting duty. Yeah, like constantly carrying around two phones, you know? Yeah, so, so yeah. I got that at HMX. I had two phones for a while. And yeah. yeah I still got two phones. You still got two phones. I had it at I HMX for a while, and it's like, yeah. And then um, I was a student in school when I was on my way out. So, like, I was used to typing everything I was doing. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Like, I'll thumb yeah. out a thousand words, bro. I'll t- I'll, yep. Don't call me. I don't want to talk to you on the phone. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, no. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just think it's it's lost on a lot of people. Hopefully, for my recruiting, I, I got a bunch of buddies that are out um, getting their windshield time right now, and they're probably going to listen to this. And hopefully, they'll um, hopefully we'll put a little smile on their face so people yeah. realize how fucking hard it is for them. You know, some of them seems like they're they're killing it. They're really successful, but um, I know there's guys out there that are hurting too. Man, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. you know, get through it, man. One foot in front of the other, contract to contract, and you know, leader, move on. You know, with recruiting duty, I'll you know, talking to those other guys that are either about to go out there currently on it or whatever. I have, I have a love hate relationship with recruiting duty. Like it, it gave me a lot of tools to help me transition. And even, you know, being a grunt transitioning back to public life, living in society, recruiting duty helped a lot because it taught me how to interact with people and be out there in the communities and things like that. It, It does a lot. The crappy part is, again, you mentioned it earlier, you know, a lot of people don't know or think of how high tempo recruiting duty is from, you know, Monday through Friday appointments and phone calls and everything. Saturday, you may get a day off, but if you're hurting, you're going to be in the office working. Yeah, but we got to have PT those coolies. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday's a pool fun or yeah, Saturday's pool function. Sunday, you're taking shippers. I mean, there are plenty of days. You work a month at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't skip a beat. It, It sucks. It ends eventually and recruiting duty is not your life. Yeah. And I can see this too, because like all those, you know, your buddies that are out there on recruiting duty, I still have some friends that are out there too. There's this magical thing called no one gives two fucks about your fitness report when it said that you were always making mission for shipping or contracting and that you kept it in the top tier of the alpha percentage or that no one had waivers or that anything, no one gives two shits. That's the best part. Yeah. At the end of the day, all, again, I didn't go back, you know, and I was a successful recruiter and I never went back to the fleet after being a recruiter. So I don't know what it means. They always tell you, Oh yeah, recruiting duty looks good. If you're successful and yada, yada, yada. Again, recruiting duty is, doesn't define you. And it's not, it is a very small part of your life. Um, you gain a lot from it and you're going to work hard, but at the end of the day, it's just a chapter, you know, yeah. So it was said to me uh, pretty good about recruiting. Um, everyone who, after you go back out and get back to the fleet, most of the people who are on the board to promote you either understand recruiting duty and how hard it was, or they spent most of their career avoiding it because they knew how hard it was. Yeah. So it can yeah. help you, but you're right. Like at the end of the day, um, I met guys that, you know, actually, Melissa, we had a mutual guy. Um, he was leadership around Foster. I'm not going to name him by name, but he was a recruiter in Iowa and rolled goose eggs for like eight months straight. He, you know, oh. he didn't retire at Master Guns. 
that didn't kill him is all I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying eight goose eggs is probably pretty bad. I would imagine he had a whole bunch of people parked at his little PCS or whatever. Um, yeah, that's but, a miserable time. But you know what I mean? Like, he, I mean, it didn't it didn't kill him. He wasn't released for cause or any of that shit. So like, yeah. he's still, you know, he still, um, still he still made it. You know, I mean, it's like. Uh, I've had conversations with a couple guys, man. And you can just tell they're like, fuck, dude. Like, I just want this to be over. And, you know, it, it'll end. It'll end. Yeah. All right, guys. It'll end. And then you might get back out in the fleet and then they might put you on orders again like me. <laughs> yeah, you'll go running right back to it. Like, Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. All right. Uh, so I, lately, with all the negative shit going on, man, I've been asking people to leave us with positive notes. So, Melissa, if you got anything, um, I feel like you, you got some good things on the horizon, like harvesting wine and shit soon. So yeah, um, so vibes, please. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we have so as of right now, grapes are just going to Verasion. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast before, but grapes going to grow in a double sigmoid curve, mm-hmm. and so it goes like this, and then it goes through like a little plateaus that's called a lag phase, and yeah. then it goes up again. So the grapes are in that first phase. They are just hitting that lag phase. So they've made all the cells that they're going to make right now. And they're all hanging on the, the vine and all the cute little clusters are there. Yeah. But they're all green, right? Because there's no sugar in them and there's no color yet. Okay. So now they're in the lag phase. And so everything's going through verasion right now. So that's that second one. So cells are expanding. They're not, they're not getting more cells. They're yeah. just getting big with water, sugar, other you know, um, acids and whatnot that are in grapes. And yeah, so it's, what is today? August 4th. We'll probably pull in like the first grapes for our customers, probably the end of this month. Yeah. And uh, right now we're getting all of our gear ready. Um, just getting everything clean, all of our heavy equipment, uh, finishing up some, I'm right now I'm topping barrels. So just kind of putting some of those wines, the older vintages, like 2019s and 18s. Just yep. kind of topping them off so that way we can push through with uh, with harvest. It's going to be real quick. And it's been hot too. So we've had like 110 degree days. Ooh, wow. Today was like 95. Um, like I think last week was all above 100 or it was the week before. It's been really hot. And so we're wearing masks at work now too. So I'm mm-hmm. crawling up barrels. Sweat my ass off. So your positive vibes are going to be put in a bottle here pretty soon and sent to the Yeah. Week. Can I just ask a quick question? Yeah. You basically just give us a scientific explanation for ripening a grape? Yeah. Basically, okay. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. <laughs> I love that. All right, Dustin, man, give us uh, give us something positive. Like, you know, I don't know, man, whatever it may be, dude. Uh, I just try to, like I said, everything's so bad and negative. Like some of, some of what I do on the show is like therapeutic for me. So like I hate leaving it just like down and out shit, you know you know you want to you want to talk about therapy um i've been you know typical marine fashion nose to the grindstone i've been working my ass off um to the point where it's been work 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 you can't go out and do anything because everything's closed and it's just you know restrictions everywhere two weeks ago my wife and i we bought a travel trailer i picked it up last week this last weekend we went out in the middle of nowhere no cell service drinking beer all day long with a couple of friends and just relaxing. So, and I'm, this is my first time having an RV doing anything like that. I'm sold. So positive vibes. If you get the chance, go out somewhere, get away from the internet, get away from self service, get out there, see God's country, drink some beer and just relax it. You want to talk about therapy sitting on a mountainside as the sun comes up. I needed that. It's been a while since I had that. And 
I, I can't wait to go and do it again. Like it's well, like I told you where and when because I we'd like to go since we have the airstream now. Yeah, you never told me you had an airstream. It was. I told you I was going to get one. I asked you if I could park it at your house so that way I could. No, that was <laughs> the pontoon a... boat. You, I was waiting for the pontoon boat. I know. Well, we talked about going in on one. Remember? Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know you had an airstream. Let me know. We'll go RV and we'll have a thing now. Yeah. Where'd you guys go? We went up to uh, past Nat Cheese. Oh, okay. Was it someone's property that you knew? No, it was uh, just uh, some random. You know, with COVID, they're not charging for like campsites and stuff. So. Yeah. Well, it's hard to get some sites. Okay. Well, I'm all about that. And I think that would be great because it looked fun and we have the Airstream and we've only taken that once, but I'm going to be going into my busy season. So it will probably be till like maybe January, February. Hell yeah. Yeah. I golf. I just tend to golf, but I need to, my golf swing sucks. I need to go, we need to go get in the mountains at some point, I think. Yeah. There's really pretty areas out there, especially in Utah. I mean, just like dipping out into some of those national parks are phenomenal. Yeah, well, man, I completely forgot about COVID, election year, everything. Those three days, were, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, I got, I'm excited. We're so, I mean, I, you you're talking about going to a mountain. I'm probably going to one of the most electric, you know, highly connected places in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> we, what we got a little hotel, man, and you know, I'll probably be working a little bit. But other than that, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut a lot of stuff down. And, cool. Uh, Probably not focus. Yeah, I'm not gonna focus too much on my cell phone and all those shenanigans in there, you know. So I'll probably I'll get a little taste of that, but nothing nothing like uh, taking an airstream up a mountain, man. I need to. I'd like to do that too. All right, guys. uh, Thanks for your time, Um, Dustin. Thanks for uh, being a first time, Melissa. You're a repeat offender, and I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Um, And Dustin, thanks for your service, man. Thanks for um, also thanks for what you're doing, you know, in your community too. I mean. I think it's lost on people like how many veterans wind up just going out and continuing to, you know, put it on the line for, you know I mean? yeah. yeah. Um, and it, so, yeah, I just I appreciate it, man. And thanks for coming on and talking with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And, you know, same to you. Thanks for your service. And Got some good recruiting stories <laughs> that I found out about after I got out to protect, you know, my plausible deniability. I got lots of stuff. We can, no worries. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys go. I just want to say thanks for, you guys gave me two hours, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. I think people are going to love hearing the story. So, all right, guys, thank you so much. Uh, I'll, I guess, uh, well, I'll I'll talk to you. Cool.